Hello and welcome to Lawrence Fork in Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen. And today we're going to interview General Manager Kyle Bennett and Chef Chathan Mitchie from Lark Affair. Welcome to episode three of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. Thank you so much to everyone who has continued to support the show by listening, subscribing, sharing our posts on social media, all that stuff to spread the word. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're having a great time here, you know, interviewing some of our favorite places in Lawrence. And, you know, it's so great to see the feedback and see that you guys are enjoying it, too. It's proven to us that, you know what, yeah, we're not the only ones that are interested in this and we're not just talking to an empty void. So <laughs> Today we are talking with General Manager Kyle Bennett and Chef Chathan Mitchie from Lark Affair, a restaurant specializing in Midwestern comfort food made with local ingredients. Kyle and Chathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, we love Lark Affair. We love the love the cuisine there. You know, just that, that Midwestern comfort food. It's something your, your atmosphere is really nice. You know, you, you kind of come there. You just have a nice warm meal, especially in the wintertime now. It's been it's been great. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love you do little twists on it too, you know, and, and, and your drink menu is, uh, really inventive as well. It's, it's got a lot, you got a lot of different flavors going on. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourselves. You guys from Lawrence originally, or how did you guys meet? Um, so my name is Kyle. I'm the general manager. Um, originally not from Lawrence, uh, born and raised in Topeka, Kansas. Um, I have lived in Lawrence for five, almost six years now. Um, most recently working out of Kansas City uh, and commuting the whole time. So it's nice to be back in Lawrence yeah, uh, working in Lawrence. Um, and now yeah, that's kind of where, where I come from. And um, I'm actually a Manhattan boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved up here in 2003 for, uh, well, basically just to study at KU. I was all over the place from political science to Latin American studies. Uh, finally settled in on French. Mm and stopped about 50 hours shy to just continue working in kitchens. Um, I've been working in kitchens since I was 15 years old. Spent a lot of time in Lawrence Kitchens, 715, La Perea, Pachamamas, um, oh, where else? Even Gumby's Pizza way back in the day. That was like my first (laughs) Lawrence Kitchen gig. Yeah, what about you, Kyle? Did you, did you, how'd you get into the restaurant business here Um, in Kansas City? I've been in the industry ever since I started working, uh, you know, 14 years old. So, um, you know, that was in Topeka. First restaurant job was Perkins. Oh, nice. Um, From there, just, you know, hopped around, uh, mostly front of house positions, you know, so serving, uh, eventually moved into bartending, um, you know, started in the corporate restaurant sector, doing some bartending stuff, Um, really enjoyed uh, what bartending was all about. did some high volume college bar stuff. I managed Quentin's in Topeka for a couple of years. Um, uh-huh. Felt like I was outgrowing that. Uh-huh. Um, actually moved to Las Vegas and did some bartending and restaurant management while I was out in Las Vegas. Um, we, uh, I was there with my girlfriend who's wife now. Um, we moved out there. We were out there for about a year and a half before we decided to move back. And when we did, uh, seeking out more management style positions, um, but always interested in the bar and the, the, you know, the craft and the art of bartending, um, but really like the management side of things as well. Um, so I did some management stuff while I was in Kansas City. Um, 
couple different restaurants there. Um, and then most recently, um, I stepped out of management actually right before I started with Lark Affair. And I was bartending at the Monarch uh, Cocktail Lounge on the Plaza and uh, working at Blue Stem as well. So right. that's kind of my, my restaurant history um, before Lark Affair. Nice. What are your, you know, you ended up with, uh, you know, doing, um, you know, comfort food and all that. So what kind of, uh, what influences you there in terms of, you know, when you come up with new ideas or when you were kind of come up, coming up with the menu, you know, what, what were those influences? Um, for the most part, uh, we always wanted to make sure that, you know, when the food came out to you on the plate, everything was straightforward in presentation. Um, but there were little nuances from a lot of the cultures that have helped make Kansas strong mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily as well represented in Midwestern restaurants. Mm -hmm. So um, with our brand speaking about you know community um, and being as inclusive as possible, um, we went for a menu format that would be able to provide a little bit of something for everybody, regardless of dietary restriction, regardless of uh, religion regardless of where you came from it wouldn't just be necessarily like a predominantly quote-unquote white presentation mm -hmm. of Midwestern food as there are numerous uh, populations of um, immigrants in Kansas that um, have very rich and diverse histories in Kansas yeah. and that's something that I grew up with mm -hmm. uh, being you know a stone's throw away from Fort Riley yeah. Um, you know, huge communities of uh, Koreans, Indians, uh, people from all over the Middle East, uh, mm -hmm. Southeast Asia as a whole, you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how, how do you bring, you know, you've worked at, like you said, you've worked at different restaurants in the area and all that. You know, how does that inform some of your choices, too? Do you, is, do you find that you're picking up as you go to different restaurants like, oh, this is a this is a nice, you know, these are nice menu items or, you know, certain like techniques or things like that or food flavors that you've liked at certain places. Is that, does that happen when you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the quest for like just constantly improving yourself, I guess the most important thing is to analyze those techniques and the ingredients and being able to not necessarily just imitate, but uh, create on top of the sum of your experiences. So where does the where does the name Lark Affair come from? Um, Lark Affair comes from the name uh, the Meadowlark, which is the state yep. bird of Kansas. One key element that we really wanted to emphasize was uh, the local community in Kansas and Midwest and Lawrence. Um, so keeping that in mind throughout the entire process of rebranding, that was something that we wanted to drive home. Um, so just kind of looking at what what is the midwest what is kansas uh the metal arc bird um came mm -hmm. into play yeah. and so that that was where we started um working with our, our our branding team and figuring it out as a group we went through a ton of names uh, a ton of ideas mm -hmm. um and we landed on Lark Affair, so Lark, obviously, Meadowlark, mm -hmm. and then Fair uh, being, uh, you know, food and beverage, mm -hmm. um, and kind of mashing those two together and coming yeah. up with something kind of fun and creative. Yeah, it is fun to say. It really yeah. rolls off the tongue. Yeah. The little bird logo, also adorable. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Do you guys have a, a favorite dish that you make or a drink that you make? I'll let you start with the drinks while I think about my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm pretty proud of, you know, I mean, everything we put on the menu, I feel like we should be, be, be extremely proud of. Yeah. Um, and we, we do a lot of research and development into the products that we that we do uh, put on the menu because they're ultimately going in front of our guests and we should always put our best foot forward. Right, now, right. with that being said, you know, I mean, our I feel like the drinks, uh, the, the menu changes pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, with every new menu turn, there's always one that is a favorite. Um, so right now, my favorite would be a cocktail called uh, Ghost Rider. So that one is a kind of fun play on a Martinez cocktail. So Mar- Martinez is uh, traditionally gin, sweet vermouth, uh, maraschino liqueur, and sometimes like a dash of like orange bitters. Um, so playing around with the structure of that cocktail, um, I wanted to play with uh, some like stone fruit flavors. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of mix it up a little bit, and that one is a, a, a split-based combination of Old Tom Gin, which is like, uh, uh, I guess, for a simple version, a sweeter uh, style of gin. Jennifer, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is often related to gin, um, has a little uh, more malt mm-hmm. um, in its like distillation process. Um, and then we're playing with stone fruit flavors, so apricot liqueur. There's some vanilla and fennel in it, um, so it's kind of a, a fun, nice, like, uh, you know, I would say like winter, fall style version of like a, a Martinez cocktail with a little bit more layered flavor in it. So right yeah. now, right now, that's my favorite on the on the drink side wow. of things. Um, and then the food, I. <laughs> The steak. I always go. I always go for steak on yeah. the menu. Kyle's a little bit of a meathead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always go for the steak on the menu. So, um, I, yeah, that's that's where I go. There. Yeah. Um, when it, just to sort of echo what Kyle was saying about how everything on the menu needs to be executed at the highest level possible. Um, I'm also kind of a weirdo in the sense of it's hard for me to name favorite anything right yeah like i don't have a like a favorite food overarching or a favorite band or favorite color even yeah uh, i guess you know I, I like to try to see the intrinsic value in everything <laughs> yeah, and yeah. its specific purpose mm-hmm. um in terms of the work that we've done on this menu um i would definitely say though that the stuffed eggplant um came out especially strong this time um, I always like the challenge of doing vegan and gluten-free entrees. I always try to have one on each menu for dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, we started out with doing ratatouille on the first menu, and that was a that was a great celebration of local ingredients. It was all local vegetables on wow. a plate. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Um, and then this last one was the what was it? Mushroom ragu. Yeah. And I had a bunch of local mushrooms, and we made gluten-free gnocchi for it. And mm-hmm. That one was really cool. The stuffed eggplant, though, I think is probably one of the more truer ones to my style of cooking, where uh, incorporating a lot of Middle East and Indian flavors, but also utilizing eggplant and uh, like local wild rice. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes with uh, some lemon yogurt and... Uh, um, some pomegranate molasses drizzled over the top, some flash fried leeks and kale, mm, um, and some Aleppo chili on there too. Mm. Um, but I mean, we definitely shine at meat production. Uh, mm. we, I mean, most weeks we're, uh, fabricating a pig a week, uh, uh-huh. and that supplies us with most of our pork. It's all coming from good family farms in Oldsburg, Kansas. Uh, it's a really, really 
awesome small farm to yeah. get our pork from for sure. Uh, we recently partnered up with Creekstone in Arkansas City, Kansas for most of our beef. Once again, 100% Black Angus, organic. Like we were able to uh, throw a nice big like 10 ounce strip steak on the menu. That's oh, pretty nice. awesome. Yeah. Nice, so. Yeah, cool. and I know your pork. Yeah, I know the pork chop's really good too. It's yeah. Like, oh man. I actually just finished cutting them down yesterday, so there's gonna be a nice big fresh batch. Nice. Awesome. nice. Kind of along those lines, you know, how how do you? So you know, you're referencing, you know, doing, uh, you know, research and all that, and to, you know, to, you know, trying out trying out new new dishes. How do you come up with, you know, your menus changing every. Uh, every season basically so how, how do you come up with all right this spring we're gonna do this or what what goes into that for both drinks and food i i know for me personally i i, I read a lot of books yeah. uh you know it, it, for i feel like for what we do um to be creative consistently and to always have new products i mean you really have to turn a, a, an interest and a passion into work mm-hmm. um which I, I which i which i really love and i enjoy um but there's a lot of time spent on just reading uh really yeah. you know i i buy books cookbooks cocktail books uh you know online readings whatever just to just to try to get inspiration and, and sometimes it can be difficult um you know to find a groove in in that creative process but i think that's what it takes is just always looking for new and interesting ideas and concepts um and for what we do i think we 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 have to love it and we have to be passionate about it you know i i'm a foodie i love cocktails i love wine i love beer i mean i love I, I love the product that we serve and i think um you know i mean it's it's what it's what we do you know when my wife and i travel we we're not like sightseeing we're we're going to restaurants we're going to bars we're trying to figure out what the locals are into we're trying to like immerse ourselves in the culture to experience new things and i think um that's the first step into like really getting into the creative process yeah yeah and how, sure. you know i noticed i remember when we, f- we first came in when you guys first opened the uh it, it was cool too how you guys um i think you'd partnered with um yankee tank and you know kind of they created their you know their own beer for you guys too and, yeah, and all that great. yeah how, how that or was that just you guys know them or and they just kind of work yeah with them? i mean I, you know i'm being local yeah. so yeah, yeah. uh j- just having that relationship with yeah. some of uh, you know i mean local breweries, distilleries, whatever Mm -hmm. the case is. But, um, you know, fortunately for us with Yankee Tank, it was, uh, that was a really awesome collaboration and we plan to still do some fun stuff with them. Uh, They have the capability at um, where they brew to do more small batch style Mm -hmm. one-off beers. Um, Sometimes when you, you know, some of the larger breweries, um, you have to commit to a lot lot of product. a, a (laughs) A lot at once. So Yankee Tank was great because they're able to do uh, a full barrel, which, you know, is two kegs mm-hmm. worth of uh, a specialty beer. And so for us, we wanted to do something that was, uh, we opened in August. So mm-hmm. kind of summer, uh, spring transition. So we did, uh, you know, more uh, spring and summer style beer, mm-hmm. utilizing one that they already have. So they have the capability to just kind of add flavors and ingredients to right. beer that they're already brewing. So it was a, it was a really great uh, and perfect collaboration for yeah. us. And, uh, 
the guests loved it. it was yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome yeah, I remember I, I, I yeah. tried it. It was really good. So it, it, how did you, did you suggest the flavors or how, how did that work? Uh, we, had, we had a sit down and yeah. it, it was kind of looking at, at this point, Chathan and I, uh, we were, uh, if not complete, pretty close to completion with our first menu mm-hmm. for the launch. And so we were kind of looking at some ingredients and flavors that were being utilized on our menu and thought that that would be fun to see what, they had in mind that would be a good choice for uh you know to to pick and play with and uh they're they're super talented over there so uh they were able to take a look at what we were like kind of our ideas and come up with a, a really great product for us um the other part of the story with yankee tank is back when we reported fonda um we did a really awesome beer pairing dinner with them mm-hmm. this was probably three ish months four ish months before we closed down Um, where in addition to pairing, you know, like the traditional thing is, you know, they give us a list of beers, I pair food with that Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, The really cool thing with this is that they met us halfway. And so they took a bunch of their flagship brews um, and they actually added in uh, Mexican spices with some of those Mm -hmm. and like represented those as like a very unique and very limited offering for this particular dinner. I remember the the welcome brew that they did was actually utilizing uh, hops that they had bought from Nancy Thelman uh, just on like a one-off buy. And I think they made like half a barrel of the stuff and it was like only available for this dinner. And it was really, really cool. Yeah. Angelo's a flavor genius. Uh, He's a great brewer. Um, The whole whole team over there are great. And, uh, you know, I still use them in my like the red dirt smoked gouda soup mm-hmm. like that's definitely always going to be around as a nod to you know our business relationship mm-hmm. um the french onion soup that was on the last menu was utilizing their foxy brown ale cool. um, yeah. i always love cooking with their stuff and it's it's amazing stuff so yeah yeah we love that about you know in general restaurants in lawrence i love the way you know everyone kind of you know we cut you work together in those things a little partnerships spread up here and there so that's yeah. great it's really fun keeps it interesting too <laughs> But uh, Chathan, I, I, so what? Uh, for I, I, we interrupted there, and kind of uh, what, what inspires you for the uh, you know different uh, menus that you know when you create a menu? What what, um, what for season to season? Do you look at seasonality, fruit, uh, food, and and all that, or what's? So uh, it's sort of a two-part answer mm-hmm. here. Um, the process to develop our next menu generally comes from. Uh, the specials that myself, the sous chef, and the line cooks develop over the course of however long, let's just say like two months or something like that. Mm-hmm. We take a look back then at uh, what went really well, uh, something that we know could have done better if we tweak it this way. From there, we basically also apply it to um, you know the seasonality of stuff. I will always hesitate to you know put something on a menu if i don't know 100 percent that i can get it mm-hmm. all the way throughout the course of the season yeah um i mean it's just you know it's false advertising if i'm saying something's local and it's just not right yeah. right and we don't want that <laughs> so um yeah cookbooks for sure I actually, I got a little crazy the other night and ordered like $250 worth of books, <laughs> <laughs> which have just been like 
piling up and uh, basically all my cooks right now are co totally rabid for them <laughs> and uh, you know at the end of the shifts or whatever I always sort of like throw one at somebody and I'm like hey Fun. go read this and let me know what you think um, also being able to empower my cooks outside of just like the cooks that are in sort of middle management to come up with specials if they have a good idea for one I always want to make sure to coach them through it uh, make sure that it fits the brand um, and that, you know, it's something that's really well and easily executable on the line. Um, and from there, we just sort of keep distilling and distilling, and then the process starts over with the next menu. Um, our menu, for the most part, is semi-static in the sense that, you know, I'm always going to have fried chicken, mm -hmm. the mac and cheese, the, there will be some form of steak, there will be some form of trout, uh, the beer ox, the green salad, and then like two seasonal salads mm -hmm. rotating, and then usually one or two outlying appetizers, one or two outlying. So, set up, so the the vegan gluten free entree will generally always be on there. Mm -hmm. So um, we keep to that format, and then we start looking at what the farmers are going to be able to supply us. Um, a lot of the time now, I'm provided in advance with uh, seasonality guides from the different farms in the, in the area. Nice. Um, so I kind of have a baseline idea of what I will be able to work with. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned the fried chicken, but uh, you know, and, and we love that the, you know, the fact that you do, yeah, the, you know, the half bird, the whole bird, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's really, you get that, the, the breading you have on it. Any, what's the it's secret to that? Crispy. Yeah, super crispy. Secret to that would probably be the, uh, the cornmeal that we use for it. Yeah. So okay. it's a blend of flour, uh, spices, whatever. You yeah. can just say, you know, it's like 13 secret spices. <laughs> but uh, um, the cornmeal that we use is from uh, Crumbs Heirlooms. Um, they share a parcel with this man who's been making some of the best cornmeal slash grits that I've ever tasted in my life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the flake, it's the flavor of it. When you just smell it dry, it almost smells like hay. Yeah. Um, it It's just a completely superior local product. Um, I always was held to the industry standard of Anson Mills being like the creme de la creme of grits. Mm. Um, they do amazing work with Heritage Grain Reclamation in the South. Uh, they were made famous uh, in part by Sean Brock, who runs a couple restaurants in the South. It really, he was one of the first Michelin star Southern chefs. Mm. Um, and he works heavily with Anson Mills to reclaim a lot of the grains that have been lost to monoculture, huh. uh, courtesy of Monsanto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, they're doing amazing work down there, and it's cool to also see like local farmers that are able to develop some of these things. Too, yeah, so. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely tasting. That's one thing. I, strong corn presence in the. You know, you can, you can taste that yeah. in the breading. So that's really that makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> do you use the same thing in your skillet cornbread? Also we do. delicious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a mixture of the same corn from uh, crumbs and then it's also fresh corn mm -hmm. and then a whole bunch of butter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so good and buttermilk and that kind of thing so cool yeah and then uh, whenever we do grits we also use that yeah. cornmeal as well so Neat. that makes sense mm -hmm. 
So we already talked a little bit about, you know, the cocktails and all that, but, uh, you know, it's really also pretty special about um, it, too, is you have a lot of, uh, you know, non-alcoholic options, too, and I think that's, that, you know, you don't see a lot of places that do that. I call it out specifically, but I know your menu, you actually have, you know. It's, yeah, it's, of course. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think it's uh, a, a fun uh, option for yeah. guests, uh, yeah. you know, whether it be uh, somebody who just doesn't, like to drink, uh, you know, pregnant women, uh, children. Um, yeah. I mean, all fair game. I, I think um, you can have just as much fun and creative freedom with non-alcoholic options, yeah. uh, you know, versus um, spirit, spirited options. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a goal uh, mm-hmm. when creating the menu. Uh, do a fun section mm-hmm. that we could offer something yeah. in addition to what you get it in most bars. Right. Yeah, it's always nice to have something that sort of, you know, still feels like special and, you know, but it doesn't have to have alcohol in yeah, it, absolutely. which is really fun. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you guys have a favorite place in Lawrence to eat that's not Lark Affair? Um, I kind of have like a little rotation that uh, my partner and I sort of adhere to. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we frequent a lot of local places. We rarely eat at like fast food locations or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with her too, uh, she has a lot of dietary restrictions. She's celiac, she's allergic to avocados, Mm. lactose intolerant. Mm. And, uh, you know, we have sort of been able to distill the places where we know we can go and, Mm. you know, she won't have, you know, she won't get sick the next day or something like that. Um, but I mean, from the time that I've spent in restaurants, I, you know, I'll eat pretty much anywhere where I can. Uh, you know, 715 Ladybird, Bon Bon, Mass Street Fish House, LBC, uh, yeah. Little Saigon, uh, La Estrella the, for the oh, talking. Yeah. Uh, so um, good. That's, a good. That's one of our favorites. You know, we, we enjoy fine dining as much as we enjoy just little hole in the wall shops that do some things really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, We'll always put our dollars towards the local economy first. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, so many options here. It's it's hard, hard to justify why you'd spend it somewhere right. not Sorry. local. Yeah. yeah. Um, to my detriment, maybe I need to get out into West Lawrence a little bit more and see what's available out there. There is a budding community yeah. of restaurants out there. I know that when we did the last uh, Just Food Benefit in October, I had a chance to meet with uh, the the chef over from Jay Wilson. Jay Wilson's. Yeah. yeah. He was a really nice guy. And, you know, we, we definitely had a little chat about how we wish there wasn't sort of like a, a magical wall between <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. And, like, just running down Iowa street. You know, <laughs> so, like you guys over there and we're all over here. <laughs> so, um, you know, it'd be great to see some more collaborations. Yeah. Based for on sure. that and some more sort of like yeah. cross support. Mm-hmm. How about you? Echo? I mean, uh, you know, we, we like to mix it up, but we always find ourselves uh, Mass Street Fish House. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they do a really good job over there. Uh, I think Laura and Sam, they uh, one of the better wine programs in town. I really like, uh, I really like what they're doing over there. Um, 715 is mm-hmm. always going to be, uh, you know, one of the top players, and we, for a good reason, uh, they do a really good job. Uh, their food's delicious. Their beverage program is outstanding. Um, and then limestone. Yeah. 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 Those are probably my top three. I mean, there, there are so many good restaurants though. I, I, I hate to, you know, have to pick, choose, you know, right. pick and choose, but <laughs> those are, those seem to be the three that I think we, 
uh, find ourselves at the most? So we, uh, we took to social media and solicited some questions for you guys um, from a couple of our followers. So first one that we got is what is your pimento cheese spread recipe because it is, quote, fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, there's nothing sells it better than that. I, right. I read that. I actually haven't tried it yet, and I'm like, man, now, now I'm not really gonna try this. because yeah. it's fire. But yeah, any, any seat? What's the? Uh, so there were a couple of things that were sort of commonly loved by the crew at Pachamamas. Most of us have landed in positions of management or executive roles um, ever since the place is closed. And one of those things was pimento cheese. We all just love to make pimento cheese. Uh, they have it over at LBC. They have it at Ladybird. Um, they have it, uh, you know, every once in a while at uh, Fox and Pearl, which is Vaughn's place yeah. now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that and like there was, there's a handful of other stuff too that we'd always geek out about and put it on everything uh, smoked apple butter. And uh, mm. the other one was B. We're all really good at making kimchi. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, my, my particular brand of pimento cheese um, has most of the standard building blocks, cream cheese, mayonnaise, red bell peppers, and then I usually spice mine with um, Calabrian chilies, which are an oil-packed chili from Italy. Um, I discovered those when I was at uh, 715, and they use them uh, frequently over there, uh, namely the chili oil that you'll dip your pizza crust in and stuff like that. Um, really awesome fruity flavor behind it, mild heat, a um, little bit of kick, it's great. Um, and then uh, apart from that, it's roasted garlic, a little bit of sherry vinegar, and um, finally uh, cotija cheese, which is uh, something that I use a lot. Um, basically it's almost like an aged uh, Mexican style queso fresco. Um, Similar to like a young Parmesan is the best way I can describe the flavor yeah. with a sort of higher salinity content to it. It crumbles really well and it creates a really nice uh, texture for pimento cheese. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Sold me on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another question we received and, you know, and, and a big thing we noticed about your menu that, that we really like is, you know, you really, sp you, you really have a good, um, outlines there of you know what every what's in every dish so whether it's you know vegan friendly or ve you know you can make it vegan or you know uh, d dairy free and all that so you know the question was you know will you be expanding the the vegan options but just maybe talk a little bit too about you know how you um, you know what 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 it takes to put all that stuff on that menu because it is definitely probably helpful for a lot of people a lot of people uh, so, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my partner has some pretty severe di dietary restrictions, um, and based on my experiences with that, as well as coming from a very multicultural background where I uh, often was breaking bread with uh, Muslims, Hindus, um, you name it. Uh, my dad was the director for study abroad at KSU. Oh, okay. oh cool. And, um, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and uh, uh, learned at a very early age to uh, treat those cultures with respect and uh, how community is inclusive, it's not exclusive. Mm -hmm. And so when we were opening up this place, we wanted to make sure that everybody could come to the restaurant and be able to eat food. Um, as I said earlier, we will always have a vegan gluten-free entree on our menu. Mm -hmm. um, we, in addition to that, with springtime, um, we will always have uh, 
some really awesome vegetables coming in. But even in the middle of winter, most of the stuff that's on my menu can be augmented slightly to be uh, either vegan or gluten-free or, you know, both. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing that, you know, we really like to hammer home with our servers is to communicate and over-communicate with our guests that, you know, they should never feel like there's not an option on the menu for them. you know, the standard thing is, you know, well, I'm vegan. What do you have besides salad? We have so much stuff on our menu. Yeah. Um, all of our sides of vegetables are in themselves basically small plates. They're all carefully thought out. They all have their own distinct things going on with them. And um, in addition to that, like I said, we have the vegan gluten-free entree or vegan gluten-free accessible entree Mm -hmm. at any given point. Mm -hmm. And if they're really looking for something like completely unique and special, nine times out of 10, I'll go out of my way to make them something. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Most recently, my buddy Monzi came in with his partner who she, because of the laundry list of things that she had to adhere to, she hadn't actually been to a restaurant in about 12 years. Oh, my God. oh goodness. And between me and Sam Hupp, our sous chef, we were able to produce a three-course meal for both of them oh. that met all of their dietary restrictions. Wow. And, uh, I mean, this is everything from no sugar to no sh- nightshades, only certain kinds of meat really? uh, throughout the course of the year, wow. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we were able to not only pull it off, but we were able to do it at a very high level of execution too. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. So yeah, yeah. it's gotta be a great accomplishment. I mean, that is, Jeez, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, you could easily say that every cook is just sort of the sum of his experiences and my experiences are quite varied. Mm-hmm. I've, I grew up around vegan and vegetarian th- food throughout most of my life. Mm-hmm. I also grew up around a lot of meat. <laughs> um, yep. that was sort yeah. of the weird thing. Um, but, uh, so I mean, I almost find it to a certain extent to cook vegan and vegetarian is almost easier for me sometimes than dealing with meat. Um, Being an Indian boy, like my mom came from uh, Bombay, India. She's still an Indian citizen. She never got her citizenship Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Um, You know, I, I grew up with simply prepared but incredibly flavorful vegetables all the time mm-hmm. and legumes and whatever my parents always had a garden in the springtime and then in the summertime uh-huh. you know and that's definitely a tradition that i keep very close to my heart yeah. and i want to share that with people and lark being you know a community-based restaurant mm. that means everybody's welcome everybody has something to eat at the table so yeah that's great that's great yeah and so uh yeah, what do you guys, you know, what, what, got anything coming up? I think the biggest thing I saw, you guys are going to be hosting that uh, Jay's Dinner, that Just Food uh, Benefit, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very excited for this. I mean, uh, this being our first year um, yeah. open as a restaurant and being, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're extremely humble and, and, and honored to uh, welcome the community in for this special event. Um, this is my first time um, uh, working with this event, um, mm-hmm. but I know Chayton has in the past, so he could talk a little bit about that and yeah. how much this really means to the community. Um, so Jay's Dinner being, um, it's basically a benefit for Just Food, mm-hmm. um, organized by Liz Kiever, the director over there. Um, all the proceeds go towards the numerous programs that Just Food is now responsible for, whether it be community outreach, uh, 
gardening. Um, they they now have like cooking classes. They have, you know, all, all manner of stuff, and they're working heavily with organizations like Burt Nash. They're mm-hmm. working with, you know, just basically trying to improve the accessibility of just food. Um, and the work that she's doing out there is absolutely incredible. Um, I worked with Jay for going on three and a half, four years before he left to go work at Hank Charcuterie with Vaughn. Um, He was, I remember I put him down as one of my references when I applied at Pachamama's. An incredibly talented pastry chef. We lived together for about a year Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And uh, he and, you know, we all taught each other so much in that kitchen. Mm And the work that we did in that kitchen is something that I hold pretty sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a real shot in the gut when we found out that he had died and found out that, you know, like it was just such a sudden and unexpected thing. It hit us all really hard. And um, his parents, um, you know, like it, there's no, there's no words to describe that kind of hurt. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. The first time that they did the Jay's dinner thing was at Hank, I believe. And uh, it sold out. I think it was like something like 60 people. The next year, um, as it started to gain momentum, um, it was 150 people. Wow. And uh, the year that I did it uh, was last year when we were still Port Fonda. And we sold out Lawrence Beer Company for that one. And wow. it, was, it was really, really cool. Um, so it's something that me and the rest of the participating chefs treat very seriously. And it's a two part, it's great to be able to give to Just Food. It's also a great thing to honor Jay's memory. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's great to see everyone come together for that. And yeah. yeah, and it's cool, you know, being able to work with some of the chefs that I haven't had a chance to work with in a while just because we're all so busy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this year it's gonna be really cool. We're, we're gonna be basing the dinner around uh, the four elements, earth, water, fire, and air. Yeah. yeah. Air. And then um, Sam Hupp, who also worked with us at Pachamamas, is going to be doing dessert with the help of Jay's brother, PJ. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I'm going to be working with Tim Quillen uh, from Ladybird. Uh, we get Earth. I'm really excited about All that right. one. All right, yeah. So uh, we're kicking around some ideas, and we're, we're raring to go for this one, for Great. sure. And, and then Kyle is going to be uh, coordinating some drinks with other Kyle, uh, <laughs> Kyle uh, Gardner from LBC. Oh, great. Yep, we're going to be doing. Uh, we're, we're still trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do on the drink side of things. I know that uh, Al Spencer from Ad Astra Wines is going to help do some wine pairings, and mm-hmm. we're partnering with uh, Standard Beverage. Uh, you know, we work off a lot of donations for these types of yep. events. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really about, you know, uh, trying to, you know, make some money for charity. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to help us out. And I, I think the idea is to play off of the, the elements that the chefs are doing and, and maybe doing like cocktails that are designed to pair with the food. Yeah, uh, so that could be kind of fun. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't want to promise anything, but that's the direction. <laughs> if I had my way, that's the direction I'm going to take it in. Uh, but we'll see. But, uh, no, no matter what we do, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a really cool event. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're gonna have a lot of talent in one building. Um, 
Yeah. We're, no yeah, kidding. We're, I'm really excited to see yeah. what, what happens. Cool. That's awesome. And remind me, that's uh, March 7th, right? Yeah, just before like the games get underway with KU, basically. Cool. Uh, okay. The last time that we did it, we uh, <laughs> we structured it during some of the playoff games. <laughs> <laughs> there were a bunch of people that were just sort of sitting there on their phones, like, oh, what's the score right now? Uh, but, um, yeah, so we decided to move it back just slightly to March 7th. Nice. Um, and, yeah. So I think it's going to be really cool. Great. Well, thanks again to Kyle and Jason for talking with us today. Lark Affair is located at 900 New Hampshire Street in lovely Lawrence, Kansas. They're open every day for lunch and dinner and also serve brunch on Saturday and Sunday. Check them out and be sure to check out their new spring menu coming in April. Thanks again, guys. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Kyle and Chathan about Lark Affair. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also please follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, on Instagram at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, and Twitter at Lawrence Forking. Feel free to find our pages and like us and follow us and share our posts and all that fun stuff. And if you're a restaurant or food business owner in town and are interested in coming on the show, just reach out either on social media or uh, email us at lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com and let us know. We're always looking for new people to talk to and would love to have you on. All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) We'll catch you next time.